Hello everyone and welcome to series four, episode one of the Future of Internal Communication podcast, where today we're going to be talking is internal versus external communication, is it outdated? Um, And as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts Dominic Walters and Kat Barnard, but today we're thrilled to welcome our guest, Steve Hayes. So Steve is an award-winning communications professional with a decade of experience leading communications for -for not-for-profit organisations. He's a former news editor and worked on newspapers across the West Midlands and Warwickshire for four years and is currently Director of Communication at Citizen Housing. And Steve has led the transformation of Citizen's communication function, its rebrand from WM Housing and its establishment as a leading voice in the sector. Um, Steve has also previously led communications at the housing sector's professional body, the Chartered Institute of Housing, where he served as the organization's chief speech writer and devised and launched the award-winning Make a Stand campaign. So welcome, Steve. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Hello, it's lovely. So to kick us all off on... Lovely. Um, so to kick us all off, Steve, on this wonderful topic that I think we've been around as a as a professional community a number of times, but let's come at it with fresh eyes and off the off the back of what's been an interesting couple of years and continues to be an interesting environment that we now all operate in. So for you, what are the key differences between internal and external communication in the 2020s? Thanks for that lovely welcome, Jen. Um First of all, and it's lovely to be here. I think the first thing to to think about here is that we talk about external and internal communications a lot. There's a reason for that, because I think it's that there are differences and you do have to be aware of those. So it is important that we still see, in some senses anyway, that we still see these things as, as separate disciplines. We think about, for example, the skills and the approach that you would take to something like media relations um, it, it is it is in many senses somewhat different to um, how you might approach um, any aspect of, of internal communication. Um, and you know, for me, I've got real life experience of this because I I started my career as a journalist, as you as you said at the start. Um, and I remember when I first went into communications, it was the what I thought was the sexy stuff that I wanted to do. Yeah, I wanted to do PR and media relations, and it, I was like, what what even is internal comms? I don't know what that is. It sounds really dull and boring. Um, and actually, I've completely flipped 180 now, realizing um, as time goes by that actually the, the internal bit of it is is just as important. In fact, I would argue now very passionately um, that it's more important, really. Um, so, um, so I think that's sort of a bit about the differences. I do think that the better question that communications teams and organizations need to ask themselves actually is how are they similar um, and, and how can you use the similarities and the crossovers um, and the uniting thing about all communication that we do in organizations, which is the content? Um, how do you how do you equip your team and your organization to make the most of those stories, really? Um, because though they are different disciplines, and I know we'll, we'll, we'll probably go on to talk about this a bit later, um, it, it, it is about a, it is about setting your team up in a way that means Whatever the whatever the output is, whether the output's a press release or an internal st- feature that you're doing, or a, a, a staff conference, or um, or a, a video that you're going to put on your website, or whatever it is, it's about how you how you're in tune with what your organisation's doing um, and how you have a communications function that primarily, I believe, 
uh, the most important thing you do is you focus on how you tell and equip people to tell powerful stories. Um, you know, um, I always say this, if you're a discipline, I, I've sort of taught teams to follow wherever I've gone is if you're right, if we're writing something that's an external piece of communication. So a press release, for example, in, in the housing sector, um, a really uh, interesting example, um, you might sense the sarcasm in my voice there is, um, development PR. So we do lots of stuff about new homes being built. Um, and you, you have to try and make them sound interesting and, and, and they do often get picked up by local papers because housing is, is a big issue. Um, but it's kind of, it's an example of something which organizations can easily do these routine press releases and not be thinking, what are we doing with that internally though? What's the what's the what's the bit that we need to tell colleagues about, and when is it that we need to tell them, and how do we need to adapt that content? Um, so I think I think yes, it's important we understand the differences because you need to do that to know what are the unique bits that are required to do some bits of external um, uh, comms that. Uh, and, and some bits of internal comms distinctly and also what are the tools that you need but my gosh there's also massive similarities and uh, and understanding and appreciating those and, and operating with that appreciation is an incredibly important thing for communications teams I think. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I actually like the fact that you coming from external and then finding the love for internal as many people do when they come into internal communication because we and that we're more important. And I'm going to say we're just as sexy. I think that, that that's something we can we can carry with us as well. Um, I, I do I do take it is that that storytelling that that powerful piece and I wonder you know because we talk a lot about internal external and how they should come together and there is a similarities and our, but our audiences can be different in the way that the lens that they're coming at that content with or what they want to get from that content in your experience and I wonder sometimes now with internal comms and the way it's moving around do you think we're working well together as similar but different functions do you have a feeling as to are we doing that well or is there is there room for improvement in that kind of alignment piece I guess between internal and external I would say it varies dramatically um from you know and I'm basing this on the experience of organizations that I've worked in and also exposure with other organizations and um, and, and to an extent, you know, the organization that I joined, um, I joined Citizen about three and a half years ago, um, and, and I was recruited be, to try and sort out the comms function, basically, because we were not in a good place. And I think that, that there are there are lots of organizations that are in a good place. There are some that struggle with this. I've seen it. I've seen where it goes wrong most often, I think, is um is is that lack of is that lack of crossover? So I've worked in teams in a in a previous organisation. I worked in um, as an as an external PR officer, and um, it was another housing association. And um, the the internal communications manager didn't even sit in the comms team. She was in the learning and development team. And it's like that in itself. There are all sorts of structural reasons in organizations why that may be the case so i'm not saying that that inherently is a bad thing but what was a bad thing was that we didn't we weren't in the same team meetings you know we we never re there wasn't a dialogue um and i remember um i remember um very distinctly i i came in and again it was to try and find great stories um, primarily for for our website and to get in the press and media and stuff like that, which I really enjoyed because I was kind of still quite fresh out of newspapers. And 
So it was it was quite easy to find stories because they, they were older people's accommodation and um, you, you you could just like these people had had amazing lives, you know, and the court managers would kind of email you and say, we've got a great story um, or, or they'd say, we've got a little something and you'd go, that's actually a brilliant story. And this one was an example of this guy who turned 103 um, or was turning 103 and they were like, can you come and take a picture? And I was like, well, I'd quite like to do a bit more than that. Like, um, can I come along and speak to him? You know, because um, they were host, hosting a party for him. Um, <clears throat> and I went and I spoke to his family. And there was just this amazing story about this guy who had spent his 102nd birthday in hospital um, on, on death's door, basically. And his family, who were lovely people, said we were told that he wouldn't come home. Um and what had happened is the staff in this care facility had worked really closely with the hospital. They'd got him back and then he'd gained his independence back. And there he was a year later, sat there with his family and friends celebrating his 103rd birthday. And I was like, my God, like what an amazing, what a great story. And it's sort of lo local press fodder that they love old people, you know, <laughs> but, but it's particularly when there's a great story behind it. So it went everywhere in, I think it was in like Swindon or something. Um, and I remember bringing that story back then to this um, internal communications manager and saying to her, like, I've got this great story for the intranet for you. Like, I've got everything that you need. I've got the pictures. I've got the write-up. Here it is. And she was like, why am I going to put that on the intranet? You know, what? What? some blokes turned 103, big deal. That was her exact words. I remember them still now. Um, and I tell that story a lot because – it's a great example of where because of the just the structures that exist in an organization and people's understanding of what their mandate is for their role, how things can just get totally can go totally wrong. Because she saw her role as an internal comms manager, unfortunately, as the, all the really dry functional stuff was what the intranet was for, you know, something about payroll or annual leave or whatever it was. And I was like, what could be what could be what could give people who work for for that organization a better sense of who we are and what we're about and connect them to the purpose of what we were trying to do than a story like that it was like the essence of what we did and she couldn't see it she couldn't understand it and um so i think i it, it's it's just you know that happens a lot um so i think it comes back to that thing of um you 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 have to, in any organization, I think, whether you're in the same team or not, you have to you have to be talking to each other. You have to have an agenda and objectives, and you have to be saying, what's your bit of that? What's my bit of that? Or, you know, my team, as an example, we've set it up now, and it's taken time, but we've set it up now. People own a project or a story or a thing, and actually the outputs of that some will be internal, some will be external. And we found that's a very, very effective way um, to make sure it, it works. And, and there's a real synergy then um, between what goes out and what goes in. Um, so, but I, it, I, I think it, it, the quality varies, I would say, um, uh, as well. And I, I, what I see a lot, which, which frustrates me greatly, is... Uh, in organizations where you're you you should be able to hold up a piece of internal communication that you would do to your staff and a piece of external communication whatever that would be and go they're of the same quality they're they they look and read well they are on brand um you have the same degree of measurement and and thought and objective that you have 
what often happens is the internal bit is the bit that people don't do as well and don't invest as much in because they kind of go, well, that's just our staff. We emailed them. We told them it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what you, you've got to be able to do. You've got to be able to hold up the communication you're doing with your staff and how you're equipping those conversations to happen against your external comms and be able to say, yeah, we're doing that. Uh, we're, di- we're, we're doing that with the same degree of scrutiny, I think. Mm-hmm. We'd also be better at our own internal, internal communication, external, all of that. It is. It's, it's like our communication functions with our own communication challenges um that we need to perhaps to, to address as well and I think I take on your point really is it's about that leveling up and that matching and that consistency piece but I know Kat you were gonna you were gonna you know it was a passion area of yours that you were gonna pick up on this point around point around consistency weren't you yeah I think I think it is really interesting because you know when I think about the role of internal communication against the backdrop of the future of work and and how organizations not only are having to change internally because of the pandemic and remote flexible working, hybrid working, et cetera, but also, you know, there's a there's several other big backdrops playing out in parallel. One is, you know, the internet has afforded us more information than we could ever even begin to imagine. So how do you hold um how do you stand out in a of information and that must be the communication challenge regardless of whether or not you're internally or externally focused but there's something really powerful that I you know the story about your lovely old man how gorgeous was that and actually you know I think probably we were all nodding vociferously in agreement when you were telling that story because it's an emotion-led story it grabbed our heartstrings you know dear old guy on his deathbed you know 102 nobody would be punished for thinking oh well he's had a good innings and then he rounds you know the bend doesn't he rounds the bend he gets brought back to where he probably always wanted to be at home and he recovers and he regains his independence and oh my gosh he's here a year later and I think you know, that's a really powerful piece, regardless of whether the audience is internal or external. How do we hold the attention? How do we grab and hold the attention of the people that we want to appeal to? And to your absolute point, you know, it's 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 the emotion-led stories that bind us together. And when you were telling that story, what I was thinking about was, I can't believe that your colleague missed such a trick because that is a an embodiment of organizational purpose right there you know that's what makes coming to work so worthwhile so i guess what i'm thinking about is um the idea that actually because we're in this kind of tsunami of information that is the internet you know what are the stories that bind us and um and to what extent do those stories need to remain consistent, regardless of whether it's an internal or an external audience that you're trying to appeal to? I mean, it is <clears throat> it's so much of it's about people, isn't it? You know, that's a cliche, really. But it's all you, about you, people. You, yeah, exactly. You said it yourself. And I think that we that is um, it sounds like an obvious point, And I think it is. It's something that's done better. Again, it is something that people think about more 
for external communications because they're thinking about what does a journalist want, for example. So you know, you know, if you know anything about about getting stuff into the press, that you will you will never be able to do that really unless it's something very controversial and probably negative, unless you've got a a, a people story. Um, so if you're doing local press, it needs to be a person from that area. You know, if you're doing national press, it needs to be an example that proves that whatever research it is that you're putting out or whatever. But you've got to have people, and that's because that's how that's how people connect to things. And I think. Um, you know, what What I think we miss sometimes, I've seen it missed a lot in organisations, is doing that same thing when you're communicating to colleagues. It's almost like we forget that actually that's just a discipline for how you, you know, if you're telling a story to someone in a pub, like, you know, you're, you're, you're telling, you're, you will always have some people, you'll have people in there. It might be you or it might be other people, but to bring that story to life, right, you've, you've got to make it about someone, you know. Um, and we forget that. So, so a lot of a lot of internal comms that I have seen in the in in previous organisations uh, um, is, and still see to a degree, is quite dry and functional as a result of that because nobody's thought nobody's thought we've got a project here, for example, a transformative project in our organisation. I'll, I'll use the example of we went through this shortly after I joined at Citizen. We rebranded from WM Housing to Citizen, which was a massive thing because. We were also amalgamating quite a complicated group structure. So you'd got people who'd worked for all these different named organizations like White Friars and Optima. And, you know, it's the usual story, right, of like complicated organizations. And what we were basically saying is like, they won't exist anymore and will be becoming citizen. And it, you can't underestimate how significant things like that are for people when they've worked somewhere for like 20 years. And again, like... You, it would be easy for all the information about that process because lots of it was just really bland, logistical, turgid stuff that you just had to work through, like taking a fleet of 400 vans, stripping them off and then putting a new <laughs> a new kind of logo on them, which is not it's not sexy stuff. But you've got to do the you've got to do the people bit as well. You've got to kind of say, this is why we're doing this. Like you've got to talk to people and say, what's your experience of this? What's your part in the process? make it interesting, bring it to life. Um, so I think fundamentally it has to be about, you know, do again, hold yourself to the same scrutiny when you're communicating with colleagues uh, as you would as you as when you're trying to engage with customers or your stakeholders or whoever it is. Um, and that is about people's stories. It's also, as you say, you know, when there's people are bombarded with information, aren't they, every day? And I mean, if you think now about, I, I was, I'm much more comfortable now, and I think most people would be keeping their phone next to them during the day and managing the, the looking at that with you know whatever they're doing than you perhaps would have been in an office. You probably would have had it there, but you wouldn't have you would have subconsciously been like, I'm in an office, I probably shouldn't be sort of looking at that as much. So it's even harder now. I think you know we've got. I think about our intranet. We've got an app for that. And I'm like, we've got so much competition on that person's phone, <laughs> like, you know, with like Apple News popping up and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and whatever else. So then it comes down to like, yeah, how are you how are you cutting through that? Are you making it interesting, but also you're delivering it in a way that is going to get to someone? I mean, we've got quite a complicated business in the sense that we've got 
we've got a thousand staff 450 of them typically are out in vans doing repairs um nine to five every day and and you know so the way that they digest information and the opportunities for them to engage with something it's totally different so this is the other thing it is not one size fits all in terms it never is even if your organization isn't quite like ours there will be distinct internal audiences that you need to understand and appreciate um and the only way you can really do that is by talking to them and saying, you know, what is your day-to-day experience? How do you how do you digest information? What are the challenges that, you know, that you face in accessing this? And we're, we're doing that all the time. We did a workshop with our maintenance guys recently, and we asked them that question. And, you know, we've, we, we have, like you said at the start, Jen, which was lovely, we've won awards. We have, but God, you know, we, we do that knowing full well that there's always so much more improvement that we need to do. And after the workshop with those guys, you're like, you know, you wouldn't think that that was an award-winning service that they were describing. And that's because, that's because you know, we I think we've nailed the bit that's about how you engage office staff who are in front of a computer all day because we've got a really, really great intranet um, and other mechanisms to engage them. But it was very clear after those conversations what we haven't yet done is really penetrate the how do we send relevant, timely information to guys who have five minutes during a day at their lunch break to just kind of check, or even less than that. Um, um, so, so it's it's a lot of it's about the a lot of it does come back to the content. You, you've got to have you've got to get the content right. You've got to make that interesting because if you don't do that bit, it doesn't matter how you push it out and what your mechanisms are and how clever you are about presenting that you won't get people, you know, they'll just go, this is really, you know, I could do an amazing animation to let people know about changes to our payroll system. But, you know, I'm under no illusion that that is not going to get anywhere near as much engagement as a really nice photo of a member of staff with a a two line story about how they helped, um, you know, how they helped someone in one of our communities who was like not very well or something, you know, Um, you see it in the levels of engagement, you know, um, so people stories, yes. Great content, yes. And then intelligently thought through, responsive to what people have told you about how they want to digest information. Well, Steve, let me, let me pick up on that because one of the things you said a while back, which struck me, was, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, um, you tell your team, if we have a good story, let's think about how we're going to express that story. And then let's think about how we're going to relate it to different audiences be they external or internal. And so that sort of leads on to this whole question about the, the ongoing relationship between external comms and internal comms. Um, so should they still be separate functions, for example? Or in your experience, do you see that sort of language as almost redundant and that it, it's about a common function looking out in different ways? Um, although I guess what you just said also does sort of indicate that some of the changes there, because you said the whole point that, that the whole thing around internal comms is that we can check more easily what people are making of the messages that we're giving and shape our messages better. And I, and I guess that's a fundamental difference between internal and external communication. It's harder to do that externally. But to go back to my, sorry, to go back to the question, I guess, which is looking ahead. What do you see as this relationship between external and internal comms? Should they be separate? Or, and if so, how do they manage their relationship or should they be coming closer together? A long question. Sorry, Steve. No, it's a good question, Dom. I think I, it, it, it's, and, the, and the answer is not, you know, I would be silly to say it's a, it's a black and white question, I think, because so much of it depends on 
the nature of your organization and what you have to do. So, um, so for example, you could have, I'll give you an example of CIH where I worked, um, the, the Chartered Institute of Housing, Professional Body for Housing. So the main uh, driver really, one of the main drivers certainly was um, the PR and media bit anyway, was very much focused on how do we get, how do we get um, our research and our voice out into the national media? So that was really good because we were up against some really big hitters with the likes of National Housing Federation, much bigger organizations than ours. So finding ways to do that was 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 um, was really really important, and I suppose that it was an organisation with less than a hundred people. So um, you the internal bit of it, you could say, I would argue now we should have been doing that a lot better and investing more in that. Um, but you could definitely argue, actually, we've got more, we we need to represent our the, the driving force was it's a membership body. We need to be representing our members' views, and we need to be exerting a voice on their behalf, basically. And you could therefore say, well, the internal bit of that is going to be less less significant. Um, I don't think it is personally, but I think I think you might just have less resource doing it. So in this, you know, you, so what you get is you sometimes get organisations where you've got a very hefty external PR and media team, but maybe one or two um, uh, internal communications colleagues. But I don't think that I don't think the numbers matter that much. It's the principle behind it. It's it's about saying. However, your um, your organization and your communications team is set up like every organization has colleagues, whether it's 20 or 20,000. And you have to keep them engaged like to because and you have to keep them engaged. And this is the bit that it's a fundamental thing that gets missed so much. Why are we saying this? We're saying this because we're talking about internal communications, I guess, and all communications, but particularly internal from the point of view of teams. Like people who listen to this will be will, will be communications professionals in, in all likelihood, internal ones. Um, but actually, what is inter- what is communication? It's every interaction that any member of our staff could have with anyone at any given time. So we're not in control of the vast majority of it. Um, you know, I, I think of all the communication that we would do with our customers, 30,000 of them, well, more than that, actually, because we've got 30,000 homes, it's more like 50,000. Um, most of those bits of communication, I, I'm not in control of. You know, it's people who are emailing or calling or whatever. So that's where the significance of internal comms comes, because if you don't have all of your staff who are in control of that bulk of that communication on the same message, but more importantly, just engaged and motivated and believing in what you do, it's your customer slash stakeholder slash whoever at the end, who is at the end of that process who will suffer. So that is why we really have to be willing to scrutinize internal communications in the same way we do external. So going back to your point, I think it's the, the healthiest and the best way to do that is for there to just be as much crossover as possible so even if the nature of your organization means on one side of a building you've got a very big external pr and media outfit who are constantly on the phone to national journalists trying to get you in papers and whatever and you've got two internal comms officers who sit on completely the other side of the building who are squirreling away doing an internal newsletter or whatever um i mean bring them together if you can first of all um assuming you're still based in an office which you probably won't be um but if not then please 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 have regular meetings and be aware of each other's um uh you know agendas and what you're talking about because i guarantee you whatever research or 
what product or whatever it is that you're trying to sell into journalists you need to be talking about to your staff like don't think they know about it already so we don't need to let them know you know um I think about we used to do some really really interesting pieces of research at CIH and sometimes it would only be once we'd once we'd sold that into a paper that we'd think actually pr- probably our colleagues might be really interested in that you know that we've done a a great piece of research highlighting how difficult it is for people to access you know a home who are on benefits for example and we'd then go oh god yeah we probably should share that around like and it can't be like that it can't be like that so however you do it as i said our formula is and I'm a big believer in if you get if you get people with the right skills who are storytellers who understand how to take something, make it a compelling story that people can buy into and understand, and deploy it on different channels, that you're you're winning then. So that's what we've got. So we brought in some really good people who were able to do that. I, what, what Elaine, one of the people in my team, who's at one of our, we 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 don't have external and internal. We're, at, they're called PR and communications officers because we just think that sort of covers covers the lot. But you could call it whatever you want, really, um, to a degree. Um, you know, she's a brilliant example. She was. We brought her in from a newspaper background. And she just understands stories. So she's really taken to the internal element because she's like, oh, God, yeah, this is brilliant. You know, finding ways to fight, like, you know, finding interesting ways to source stories about our colleagues and playing those back to everybody else. And just just to her, I think it's just it's different outputs, different media. Um, So if you've got people that can handle stories, I believe that is an integral part of any organization's work. You've got to have people that get that that basic thing of what is the story? How am I going to relay this to people? And yeah, they might go to a paper. It's a different thing to our colleagues. We need to do a little extra bit because, you know, we probably need to tell a bit more of a people story about that team or whatever. And a, a development press release is a great example of that. So you, what we tend to do is we'd run the piece on our website and to papers, which is much more about the provision of homes in the area with maybe a quote from a resident who's moved in when we run that internally, we probably talk to the team and understand to them how that project came to fruition and quote some colleagues in it and then use the customer quote as well. So just an example, I think. But um, I don't think there's anything wrong with having somebody called external press officer or external communications officer and internal. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you've got to make sure there's constant cross-fertilization and crossover. Can I also just reiterate the point you made, lots of great points, but one that really stuck in my mind there, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, is when you said, really, there's no point in having fantastic external communication with clear messages being expressed beautifully if they're not being reinforced by the day-to-day contact that the public have with members of your team. And that means they need to be aligned, they need to understand the messages, they need to understand the differences and successes and be able to articulate those. And that's where internal communication can really reinforce the message you're putting out externally. And I guess if you get that wrong, then you're shooting yourself in the foot potentially. So, yeah. Uh, you are, you are, that is, you know, sorry, Kat, go on. No, you go, you go, because then I'll add in at the end. I was going to say, you've hit the nail on the head there, I think, Dom, because... Um, and this is why I, when I said at the start, I've done a 180, it is, it, that's why, that's why, because when you work in organizations, particularly when you go through change as well, which is a, which is a time when you can easily lose people, frankly, if you don't, you're not clear in your communication about where you're heading and what the vision is and how you're progressing against it. That's where people become demotivated and they lack energy and they are 
unenthusiastic and inevitably inevitably that shows in their communication with your customers or whoever it is that they will have contact with outside of your organization so yes the very best organizations um nail internal comms because they understand that that is the way that amongst other things like how you treat your staff of course as well but that but communication is an integral element of that which often goes wrong so they understand that you've got to you've got to get people speaking that language and the, and the only re- real way you can do that i mean particularly i always say when i speak to fellow housing professionals i'm like we are so lucky working in social housing because actually the image that people give get of our sector is often always oh, just like construction um and it's not at all it's construction is actually quite a small part of our work most of it is providing homes to people who would otherwise struggle to get one and actually if you think about what in your life is more important than your home? There aren't many things on that list, really. Um, so we've got the we've got the best content because that's what we've got to work with, right? If you're if you're an internal communicator for a tiling company, your job is a lot harder. Like you can still find ways to engage people, but you you know if you've got an organization with a purpose, and every organization has a purpose of some kind. That's what you've got to get people bought into. And you've got to keep doing it all the time. It's you've it's got to feel relentless in a good way that people can't escape what it is that you do and why. Um, and that's the bit that gets forgotten among the among the lots of technical information and logistical and turgid information that we have to communicate with staff. The bit that's get gets off forgotten most often is the yeah, but what what is it that we're doing? Where's the connection to the end, the customer, the experience that they get? Um, so if you you can have the best, I always say is you can have the best um, website and you know external mailing system and other methods to communicate with your customers, but if your staff aren't on board, you can forget about it. Precisely because of that reason, I said before, most of your contact is for most organisations is not happening from you as the comms team; it's happening from your colleagues. It, it ties in, doesn't it, with the with the IOIC hashtag We Matter at Work? Because you know, if you're if you're telling stories to the press, if you're telling external stories, unless you're dealing with bad press, you're telling stories of progress. You're telling stories that you want to stand out as a measure of your ongoing success. And we, as human beings, all want to feel like we're progressing, like we're moving forward in some way. And I think that's probably one of the contributing factors to why so many people are struggling mentally and emotionally at the moment, because we all feel like we're just stuck in perpetual limbo with this cursed pandemic and the constant chopping and changing. But that point about you know, if if there's a story to report on the outside that is deemed newsworthy, that is um, indicating some kind of success factor, why would the internal team not want to know about that? Because everybody plays a part, right? Everybody from the boardroom down to the postroom, everybody helps an organisation progress and move forward. So, that idea of alignment between internal and external story is really, really powerful. And I think what you've articulated in terms of like getting a better synergy and overlap and intersection between between the two functions, I was really drawn by the idea of what, well, as you described, Steve, you know, 
here's the story now how does that story project out to the various audiences regardless of whether they sit within the within the boundaries of the organization or next layer out as pre-existing customers or next layer out from that within the wider community because we're all a stone's throw away of needing help and support and as you absolutely say in the context of your industry what is more important than shelter you know it's a pretty elemental requirement isn't it and I think there's just something really interesting to think about in terms of engagement and I know that you know we've all seen the Richard Branson quote which is if you engage people internally then they will engage people externally or whatever whatever paraphrase I'll just use there but you know we all at a baseline level want to feel as though we're moving forward and that we're making progress and to be disassociated from the organizational stories that demonstrate that progress progress I beg your pardon get my teeth in seems like a total own goal if you're not doing that it is and I think you know we've talked about some nice stuff haven't we like it, it is and a lot of you can make a lot of internal communications interesting and, and it is nice. It's about progress and it's about achievement, but it's not all about that, but the, and the discipline is still the same. So, you know, again, it gets missed a lot with things that are fun- functional pieces of information. And that's where the communications professional has to come in and say, but how are we telling staff about that? So I'll give you a, a, a simple example, a very recent example from our, um, organization which is we're recruiting a director of building safety which is a new role on our leadership team um and it there's it's an incredibly important gender building uh, agenda building safety and so it happened quite quickly because we decided we needed that director role and and i was like okay so it was like right we need to get the job pack out and all this kind of stuff i was like yeah we do but how are we telling staff about that because I, I don't want staff the first time for them to learn about that to be seeing the job advert. Like we've got to give them a narrative that they can understand about. And I think I, that wasn't that's no criticism of my colleagues because to them the the, the necessity was we've got to get somebody in to fill this role because we've got loads of work that needs doing for it. But that's a very simple example, and there are loads of others you could give of how. Just it's a small thing, but if the first time that I mean, obviously the teams under that, that would be affected underneath that person had been briefed, but everybody else in the organisation, the first time they would have been finding out, would be potentially on LinkedIn or something. And I'm like, this is actually an incredibly important thing. We've got 40 high rise blocks. The reason we're bringing in a director of building safety is because we've really got to scrutinise our safety, um, uh, the safety of those buildings and kind of raise our game in line with the expectations of the regulator on. Like there's loads of interesting things to say about this. And it's also, it's an extra person on what's quite a, you know, a relatively trim leadership team. So that in itself is newsworthy that we've got another director joining that. And it's just kind of, it's, it, you know, there are, there, there are smaller examples of that that happen within teams. Like you've got to do those bits as just as well you know, what's the compelling story? Why is it that we're doing that? It, that's not just we're getting a new director. It's we're getting a new director because X, Y, Z. And so, yeah, it, whether it's the in, really interesting project-based stuff that you're like, wow, this is an amazing project that we're doing. Like we're currently like we're digital mapping all of our 
tower blocks and like visually that's a brilliant story to tell because we have to get drones all around them and everything so you know some of it's like really interesting stuff some of it's just the keeping people in the loop because they all that you know we get this a lot when we do sort of staff engagement surveys and you know challenge a challenge that comes back to us sometimes is is you know communication and i'm like right what what are we talking about when we're talking about communication a lot of people will be talking about my manager didn't tell me x and the result was y and i felt like i was left out of it you know and so it, these it's all these li- it's it's as much about how you equip people in your organization to manage those messages as it is you managing it from the team as well that's a really important point i think um and and that's sort of a sort of micro version of the your customers will suffer if you don't do internal comms well. Well, yeah, your 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 colleagues will suffer if you don't equip managers to communicate well as well. So that's another example, I think, of a distinct mm. internal audience. Um, but the risk of what you described there, Kat, is greater than it's ever been because of the fact that the pandemic has kind of sort of blown apart lots of organizations really in terms of the working practices that I mean I I used myself as an example I've been working from home for the vast majority now the last 18 months going back into the office about one day a week now and it's unrecognizable um and and so the 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 it would be very it would be easier than ever to become disconnected from what's going on but also the purpose of your organization so I think it's, it's it's so important now that we get this bit right really I agree. I agree. And I think for me, when I, you were just chatting there, Steve, as well, it, you know, the little notes I write, I wrote down to myself is like every moment matters. Every interaction matters. Everything matters. And everything is, and sometimes it's not always going to be relevant or of interest to everybody. But when we're thinking about things, let's think about that as a moment and have make sure we highlight that so we consider, are we doing the right things? Are we making that moment matter? Are we sharing that moment? Because often as well it's the small things from an internal or from an employee perspective that can make you feel oh well they don't care about me because they didn't think I was worthy of knowing that piece of information um so I think that and, and story is powerful and you know what for me this all comes down to relationships as well whether that's relationships with each other relationships between managers leaders relationships with customers relationships with stakeholders you know actually story and emotion and communication enables relationships and they all need nurturing at some point but we're obviously just wrapping up this kind of podcast and and I and I think that obviously there's a lot going on and you just touched across that really important point from, from just a moment ago um, and, and things have changed that we're in. But you also talked earlier about this thing around actually content cut through and storytelling and how we're doing all that or how actually the pace at which we need to completely innovate our channels, our interactions, our touch points. I remember when I started working in comms and publishing 20 odd years ago, you know, you would do a website and it would last you five years. I don't work like that anymore, does it? Um, so and I think there's a lot of common challenges that we have across our intersections of communication um, from whether that's looking at cut through, whether that's looking at stories, whether that's looking at powerful, whether that's thinking about, you know, how we use technology or or how we make everyone feel in that point of emotion. But I guess from your point of view, what do you see as kind of from the internal comms lens, the real opportunity in such a, a challenging landscape? What do you think is that real opportunity for us as a profession based on all those things that you just talked about? There's one like little bit that you go, go after this today. What would that be? I think it goes back to what I was just saying about 
the the point that oh, hey, oh god we hear this all the time don't we in things it's never been more important how many times we hear those words it's never been more important I, I genuinely though do believe that right now it has never been more important to do internal communication well you just think about it for one second your how the relationship between the average employee and their employer has changed um not all for some it hasn't changed much at all but for lots it has and for most organizations it's changed in some significant way so for me the opportunity now is is because i think well it's an opportunity but it's it's one that we've got to seize because we 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 you know we've i've sort of beaten the drum around um around internal comms in my organization for years now before the pandemic came along to say that we've got to do this slick and we've got to invest in it and we've got to do it right and we've got to be willing to scrutinize it in the same way we do all of our work and that was listened to and that's great and so when we got to the pandemic we were in a much better position if we hadn't been in that position and we would have been where we were a couple of years before that i'd have been really worried about how we would manage that process um so i think we this is if we're ever going to make a case for our profession making a difference it's now and I think it's it's a great opportunity, but it's also a very big challenge because it's like, how do you do that um, given the challenges that we're facing with people being further apart from the core of their business more than ever, really? I think about my own organization and the a very large proportion of the 600-odd people that were previously office-based are now working from home on a probably a fairly regular basis. Um, probably 80 to 90% of them will be at home, I would say, three three. This is off the top of my head, but I would say three three days or more a week, they're probably at home. Um, and so the stuff that's reaching them and um, the conversations that they're having, which there's less of, let's be honest, or if they are having them, they're different conversations done you know, over video, which is not quite the same. They're not organic conversations and you're not taking things in by osmosis that you, you do when you're in an office building. Um, so... What we've got to do is understand and appreciate that and come up with new ways to new and exciting ways to get those really important messages that we've talked about over the last half an hour landing with people and that they're not going to go because I'm at home. I don't need to engage with this and I've got other stuff I need to do like so it's, it's a big challenge, but it's a very big opportunity because I think it brings into focus more than ever the need for us to do that effectively, really. If you didn't get if you didn't get the need to engage staff in what you're about and to make them feel motivated about your purpose and what they're doing and for them to understand their little bit of a bigger puzzle before the pandemic, you really need to understand it now. Um, because the the experience of that's bad enough if you're in an office surrounded by your colleagues, but it's it's awful if you're at home um most of the time and you're and you're away. Um and you have less contact. So I think I would just, my plea would be that let's use that. Let's use the fact this is more, this is so important now as the real opportunity for organizations to go, how do we invest in this properly? And how do we really do what we were talking mm -hmm. about at the start, which is to say, look, we, we, we rightly, when we, let's say, for example, we communicate with our customers or we do a piece of marketing or whatever, from the outset of that, or they should anyway, we have an objective, we use the software, we pay for tools, um, we have very clear messaging, we make it on brand, we make it slick looking so that when that lands with a customer, they go, 
wow, I get straight away just by looking at this email, it's from the organization that it's from, um, and I'm going to engage with it. How do we do that with staff as well? And what are the different versions of how we do that? Um, and how do we raise the bar so that we can go, yes, that's a piece of communication we put out. This is one we put to our colleagues and we spend the same amount of energy and time and enthusiasm um, doing that because it, it's not for fun. You know, it's not so that we can engage colleagues for the sake of it and they can all be happy and like smiley all day. Yet we want them to be that. But let's let's be honest about it. The end goal is we all exist as communications professionals to help our organizations achieve our strategic objectives. Right. That's the whole point of it. And you, you're never going to achieve those objectives to their maximum if you don't have an engaged workforce doing it. So I think I can think of few things at the moment that are more important and challenging in a way um, for anyone to do. So it's a brilliant time, very exciting time to be a communications professional, um, an internal communications professional right. responsible for engaging colleagues. It's, um, you know, God, you know, my, I, my view on what it is and my understanding of what it is now compared to when I first went into a PR job um, are just totally transformed. Um, so, yeah, really exciting opportunity. Brilliant. Thank you. See, that's a wonderful way. And I think that we want all of our listeners to feel that opportunity, feel that sense of it. And we and I always say I want internal community to feel that sense of pride. And there is nothing like opportunity, a game-changing moment with challenge where you can really affect that 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 opportunity uh, and walk away feeling like you've done something of difference and, and you've grown. So, Steve, thank you so much for your time today. There was so much taken away from that written. Again, like we do on every one of our episodes, copious amounts of notes. Uh, uh, thanks again. And um, hopefully listeners will, will tune in with you again on the next episode. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. And this episode has been brought to you by the Institute of Internal Communication and was hosted by myself, Jen Sproul, Kat Barnard and Dominic Walters. This episode was produced by Jessica Williams and Shabita Luogonglu. And if you enjoyed this episode today, we'd be enormously grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on the channel you use to tune in to let others know that we're here. Hopefully you'll tune in again next time.